Welcome to the No Water Methodist Church Podcast, where we hope to encourage you in your spiritual journey so that you may be a blessing to your local church and to the world. Hey, this is Jeffrey from the uh, No Water Methodist podcast. Thank you for joining us and taking time to listen and receive encouragement. This podcast is the audio from the proclamation of the word from this last Sunday. This last Sunday was Christ the King Sunday, which is, of course, the Sunday that comes right before Advent. If you're in the area and you're listening to this pretty quickly after it gets out, um, this coming Friday we are doing Advent setup at the church. We're changing out the Bibles, putting up a lot of new colorful garments around the church. Uh, feel free to come join us between 10 and noon. Um, anyway, this uh, this Sunday is designated to talking about how Christ is not just Lord, but King, and what that means to call Him King um, in the American context. Uh, we don't really have a good frame of reference for talking around kings, because we don't have kings. We left royalty a long time ago. But the three primary readings that we deal with today, one is from Second Samuel, it's King David near the end of his life talking about how and why the, the Lord has blessed him, and we're reminding ourselves of this eternal covenant that the Lord made with David that points towards Jesus. Uh, the Revelation reading has uh, Jesus appearing on the clouds with the, the sword coming out of his mouth, and we're talking about what it means to serve that king. And then the final reading is Jesus talking about himself prior to the crucifixion, talking with Pilate about how he's all about the truth. Whatever the truth is, people who desire truth find their way to Jesus. And so we, we're we kind of spread out over a lot of this, but the general meditation is, what does it mean to serve this king? Uh, what kind of loyalty, fidelity, faithfulness does this king deserve from us? And then what what's the right posture for us to hold? Uh, you know, in the era of buddy Jesus, uh, Jesus is my boyfriend type stuff. What what if Jesus is my king? What 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 does that change? So anyway, hope you enjoy uh, my reflections and you, you enjoy spending time meditating on the same things that this community of faith is. I just hope this podcast is a great blessing to you. Take care. So our readings today deal with the kingship of Christ, and that begins uh, with a prophecy from um, the time of. First and Second Samuel, King David, because of his faithfulness, he was a man after God's own heart. The Lord promised him that one of his descendants would always sit on the throne of Israel, of Judah, uh, of the kingdom. And then even though uh, David's descendants fell down in their agreements, God maintained his faithfulness and erected an eternal king of the line of David. And who was that? King Jesus. And so that's what this first reading is. It's, it's the final words of David who makes reference to this prophecy from the Lord. So I'd welcome our first reader to come forward and, and read this portion to us. Good morning. Uh, the first reading comes from 2 Samuel 23, 1 through 7, which begins on page 508 in your pew Bible. Listen to the word of God. These are the last words of David, the inspired utterance of David, son of Jesse, the utterance of the man exalted by the Most High, the man anointed by the God of Jacob, the hero of Israel's songs. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. 
The God of Israel spoke, the rock of Israel said to me, when one rules over people in righteousness, he rules in the fear of God. He is like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings grass from the earth. If my house were not right with God, surely he would not have made me with an everlasting covenant, arranged and secured in every part. Surely he would not bring to fruition my salvation and grant me my every desire. But evil men are all to be cast aside like thorns, which are not gathered with the hand. Whoever touches thorns uses a tool of iron or the shaft of a spear. They are burned up where they lie. The word of the Lord. If my house were not right with God, this is verse 5, surely he would not have made with me an everlasting covenant. Was David's house right, right with God? Yeah, this is not a trick question. It, it was. But why was his house right with God? Did David just never sin? Was he pure and perfect in all his dealings as king? Got to cut. No, yeah, we all know the story of Bathsheba, okay? We know things got messed up with his kids and he didn't deal with it and it ended up resulting in a civil war where thousands of people got killed. We know that he issued a census where God sent the destroying angel killing thousands of people. David made some heinous decisions that, that were very sinful and got a lot of people hurt and killed, not just him and his loved ones. So why is he right with God even though he committed these great sins? What was different about David than, say, Saul before him or Solomon after him? Jesus said, he who would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. There's a daily way of discipleship that is marked by repentance and self-denial that you find in the Old and the New Testament. Something that's consistent about David is he never sat secure in his sin. Anytime he sinned, he repented to the Lord. And we have biblical accounts of him running to the temple to repent of his wrongdoing. David, unlike the king before him or his son after him, repented of his sin. And that's a simple thing. It's a simple concept, repentance. And yet, when we think about it seriously, how many people lead a life of daily repentance? Waking up every morning saying, Lord, I sinned against you yesterday. I feel bad about that. I renounce my sin. Lord, help me do better for you today. You know many people like that, Clayton? I don't know many people like that. Maybe you know some. Most people I know, they wake up every morning and they say, me need coffee. <laughs> and they get on their phone and they look at what's going on in their phone. They turn on the TV, so see what's going on in the world. Then they go to work and they tune into the work. They don't stop and think about the Lord or their sin. They don't say prayers of repentance and confession. If any of you are feeling convicted right now, you should. We should begin our days giving thanks to the Lord and repenting of our sin and renewing our relationship with him and seeking to be better for him. That's, if you're not starting your way that way, there is nothing more important than that. And that's what David, that's what he modeled in his kingship. And that's why his house was right with God. That's why he's able, you know, for a lot of people to say, oh, he sounds pretty cocky here. He's bragging. Well, is it bragging for a plumber to come to your house and say, pay me money because I know what I'm doing and you don't? No, I will, I will shell out so much money to a plumber. I have no idea. what. That's why Curtis is always going to be my best friend. He helped me so much with my pipes a few weeks ago. Uh, I would have been lost without him, you know. And the thing is, 
It's not bragging for David to say, my house was right with God because here's the relationship I had with him. And it's not bragging for Paul to say, imitate me. You know, if you've ever read his letters, he's very clear. If you want to know what a faithful Christian looks like, look at me, do what I do. He was a professional Christian. And there should be no shame in us working to be good at being Christians and then taking new people under our wings and saying, watch me, see how I do things. Here in this section, you know, he talks about uh, it's because of my daily relationship with the Lord. It's because I sought a place for people to worship him, that he blessed me and my house. But, you know, David does what we find all over the Bible. You know, we come from a culture that says, would you please give me the good without the bad? You know, Susanna is asking on the way uh, between churches today, how come people put up Christmas lights this early, Daddy? Is it Christmas? And no, it's not even Advent yet. Well, why do they? Well, it's because they want the good without the bad. They want the light without the dark. If you're feeling convicted on this, you don't need to feel convicted. Fine, have your lights, whatever. But the thing is, humans, we don't like the dark. The dark doesn't feel good. And the dark is that sin is such an awful blemish that it can separate and can and does separate us from God. And that's why David brings it to a dark note at the end here. But evil men are all to be cast aside like thorns, which are not gathered with the hand. Whoever touches thorns uses a tool of iron or shaft of a spear, and they are burned up where they lie. Does that sound like a good experience, getting hit with a shaft or spear and then getting burned up? He says that's what your destiny is if your house is not right with God, if you are standing outside a faithful covenant with God, if you, like his son Solomon, like David's son Solomon, stand in unrepentant sin, then nothing can save you. So our daily lives need to be marked with not being proud and saying, yeah, I've got my sins, but God, you can operate around those. But every day starting off, God, you deserve better, and I'm going to give you better today. In fact, let's say that prayer right now. Would you, would you close your eyes and bow your head? Father, we've got a room full of sinners here that are saved only by the power of the blood of your son, Jesus. And we pray that you would help us to never forget that. And never take it for granted, but to live grateful and submissive and humble lives for your glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So our psalm today is Psalm 132, and this piggybacks off of the theme of David and the eternal covenant. It's found on page 849 in your hymnals. So you see the clear overlap here. David acknowledging David wrote the Psalms by the way and this is why he began in the last reading the spirit of the Lord spoke through me he was on my tongue what's he talking about there he's talking about all these Psalms songs that he put together that are now in our Bible the Holy Spirit gave me those why because my heart was right with the Lord why because I practice this daily way of of life here it also talks about his desire to build a habitation for the Lord the, the temple and that's of course what made the Lord offer this eternal covenant with him uh, David was sitting and thinking, oh, I live in this nice house, but God is still living in a tent. I should build him a nice house. And then uh, the prophet came to him and said, do what you're thinking. And then later the next day came and said, God showed me in a vision. He's going to bless your household forever by keeping one of your line on the throne forever. And God was so faithful in that. And David wrote this psalm in response to that and then showed how faithfulness with David would spread out not just in eternity with God and David's family, but with the whole city of Jerusalem. Now, does Jerusalem play a big role in the Bible? From, from really 
the beginning to the end. It's the king of Jerusalem that comes to bless Abraham whenever he beats uh, those, those five armies in Genesis. And it's Jerusalem, the heavenly city Jerusalem, that uh, is there in the final creation. In, in Revelation 21, that comes down out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. Jerusalem is given all these blessings that pour out because of the faithfulness of David and uh, others like him. So just a, a general encouragement. Your faithfulness spreads out. It's not just between you and Jesus. If you live a faithful life practicing daily discipleship, those around you are blessed. Your neighbors are blessed. Your city is blessed. Your country is blessed. If you want to be a blessing to others, the first and most important thing you can do is be right with Jesus. Sounds counterintuitive. You know, the world will tell you if you want to be right, if you want to do a big good thing for the world, make a lot of money and donate it to a good cause. Or at least vote the right way. You know, vote for the right candidate. But what I'm telling you, and what Jesus would tell you is, if you want to do good for the world and the people you love and even the people you hate, then get right with Jesus. Live right today. Just as a reminder, what does the word Lord mean? Boss. We've done a good job here, folks. So we are using that word Lord quite a bit today. King is also a word that's run out of relevance in America because we don't have kings in America, right? We, we believe, you know, the, whole, the, the revolutionaries that started this country said no man or monarch is worthy of the fealty that is asked uh, by blue bloods. You know, there is no difference between kings and normal people. The problem is King Jesus is a worthy king. Sure, nobody on this side of he heaven is a worthy king, but we do have a worthy king that is coming, and he will expect the fealty of his servants, of his subjects, and that's us. And, you know, has anybody ever seen the movie 300? You have the Spartans, and King Xerxes comes and expects them to bend the knee, and King Leonidas, you know, he's covered in muscles, and he's, he's full of testosterone, and he says, you know, I would kneel, but, you know, I just got this bum knee, and I really just can't, so let's skip out on that. And there's going to be a lot of people when King Jesus comes, and they say, you know, Jesus, I like you, I'm a big fan, but, uh, you know, this, I got this bum knee, I, you know, kneeling's not a thing that I do, so welcome me in anyway. And uh, that's what Jesus' sword mouth is for, is he's going to cut down people who don't have it in them to kneel before him, you know. And uh, sorry to joke around about it. It's really not going to be funny on the day of. But there are a lot of us who we don't practice submission. We don't practice bowing down to our Lord Jesus. You know, that's one of the things I like about Catholics. I really disagree about a lot of Roman Catholic theology, but every time they enter into a sanctuary, they look upon the crucifix and they bow their head and they kneel right there in front of everybody saying, this is my Lord, I bow to this guy. And they know that Jesus isn't in the crucifix, I think. Uh, but, uh, you know, Protestants, we don't do that. We don't bow. Just even getting people to bow their heads and close their eyes is like a chore. We're very proud, Amer I'm an American. But our identity in Christ comes before our American indoctrination against kings. It's fine if you don't want to have a king on this side of heaven, but you have a king in heaven, and he expects absolute fealty, and anything shy of that excludes you from his kingdom. You want to be in a kingdom without a king? What sense does that make? That don't make any sense. All right, let's do our third reading. This is Jesus. Behold, I'm coming on the clouds with my sword mouth. Uh, I'd welcome our Revelation reader to come forward. Our third reading is from Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 through 8 which begins on page 1913 in your pew Bibles. Listen again to the word of God. To the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne 
and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, and has made us to be a kingdom and priest to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. The word of the Lord. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Does that sound like just a, a fun party at Chuck E. Cheese? We thought about going to Chuck E. Cheese while we were on the road a couple weeks ago. I was surprised that place is even still around. Is it any fun? Has anyone been? I never liked animatronics. I don't trust that stuff. But, um, yeah, this isn't a Chuck E. Cheese party. This isn't a birthday party. This is... Um, this is something that's really hard for us to wrap our minds around. One day, history is going to end. You know, Jesus said people were laughing and dancing and being married, getting married and giving in marriage. And then one day, the, the rain started coming down, and the flood of Noah came and ruined everything. And he said, and that's what the day of the Lord is going to be like. And there are a lot of people who go through their daily lives assuming that they'll have another day. But one day, everything is going to stop, and everybody is going to look up, and they're going to see heaven torn apart, and descending on the clouds with his army, King Jesus coming. And there are a lot of people who think that just sounds so crazy, they say, this has to be metaphor. But I really don't think it is. I don't think the Bible would write it down the way it does in so many places if it was just a metaphor. And what's that metaphor supposed to do? How exactly is that metaphor supposed to work in our lives, you know? I just don't get it. I, I was raised in a tradition that thought it was just a metaphor. That makes no sense to me. What if one day, and none of us is going to see it coming, what if one day we're going to look up and everything's over? The jig's up. We have no more time. All of us are getting by just one more day. And I got more time. I got more time. I can, get, I can get right. I can do it. What if one day that's over? And all of us, you know, all the powers of wickedness are going to be wiped out. All the dead are going to be raised and all of us are going to be judged. And there's going to be a new, the kingdom is going to come to earth after everything's burned away. There's going to be a new creation. All of this is described in the, the Bible. What if all of that's real? And then what does my life look like if I entertain the thought that that might be real? If Jesus might be returning tomorrow, what am I doing today? How am I living my life today? Let's look at what I have planned for the rest of my day. Is that a good day lived in light of the fact that King Jesus could be coming back at any point? Or am I wasting the time that he's given me? Let me, let me ask some of you old-timers out there. I don't think that's a mean thing to say. Old-timers? So, some of you folks that have been around a bit longer than the rest of us. Is life short or long? <laughs> Doug says, the older you get, the shorter it seems. I remember having days when I was bored as a teenager, and I was like, oh, I'm so bored. Now, I just want life to slow down. I have no idea what I'm going to feel like when I'm older, but I do know life is short. 
And sometimes we get the impression that we feel like we have more time, but we really don't. And people are dying all around us, and our mortality is, is shown us every day if we have eyes to see. And yet, how many people are just kicking the can down the road as though King Jesus is not going to come back any one of these days and expect fealty and obedience from us? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we would do right to learn to fear him before he's here with the sword in his mouth. Our gospel reading is from the gospel of John, chapter 18, verses 33 through 37, which you can find on page 1682 in your pew Bibles. Listen again to the word of God. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus, and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom, my kingdom, is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now, my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, this is what I mean about politics trying to divide people so that they don't follow Jesus. Because Jesus is being tried by a Roman prelate in the context of the Roman judicial system where there was only one emperor and anyone else who stood up and said I'm an emperor within those boundaries was by nature starting an insurrection against the king against the emperor so the Jews brought Jesus saying this man is saying he's a king he's in rebellion against Caesar you should kill him he's starting a rebellion so that's why Pilate is coming to him and saying are you a king and Jesus doesn't seem to be interested in answering that question he just says look if I were a king, my kingdom's not of this world. And if it were of this world, I'd have followers here fighting to free me, but you don't see any followers here trying to free me, so no, my kingdom is not of this world. So you are a king. He says, you know what? That's really not what I'm about. He says, Jesus said, you say, you say that I'm a king. And he's not saying he's wrong. He just says, but listen here. The reason I came is to testify to the truth. That's what I'm about. Anyone on the side of truth listens to me. And then Pilate asks, what is truth? You know, and that, that sets off the conversation that we have today in our society where there are a lot of people who say they don't believe in truth. I was talking with someone on uh, Facebook yesterday who was talking about the Rittenhouse trial and, and justice, and they said, oh, is it justice for the people getting killed? Whose justice are we talking about? And I said, justice is one. There isn't but one concept of justice. It's, there's not my justice and Doug's justice and Sarah Beth's justice. There's just justice. That's it. And likewise, there's not Roberta's truth and Joe's truth and my truth. There's just truth. And his name is Jesus. If you desire and love the truth, then you desire and love Jesus. If you're following the truth, you're going to end up in Jesus' embrace. I told you before about this guy, Frank Turek. He wrote this book called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. But he, he goes around and he does these tours talking to people about how the faith of Jesus Christ is actually empirically the best faith, and anyone of true reason sees it. And he'll be in front of a room of people and say, how many of you have friends or family member who don't follow Jesus, who are just not interested? And some, pretty much everybody raises their hand. He says, okay, keep your hand up. 
If the person or people you're talking about desire truth, that's how they live. That's what they value. And all the hands go down. If you desire truth, you end up following Jesus. Because I'll tell you, my, my mindset used to be atheist. It did. And it was based on science only. If it can't be shown to me, scientifically, I don't believe it. But Jesus always got stuck in my teeth like a bad piece of corn. That's a bad, that's a bad metaphor. Jesus is a great piece of corn, whatever. But I couldn't get him out of my mind. And I had to figure him out. And that's why I went to seminary, not because I was, a, I was an atheist as I went to seminary, pretty much. But I kept reading my Bible. I kept coming to it and saying, is there any truth here? Is there any truth here? And every step I took forward, Jesus showed his truth to me. Such that an awful sinner, heathen, I've got a meaner word than jerk, but I'm just going to say jerk, like me, could find myself following Jesus in the fullness of my heart. Desire for truth will bring you to Jesus. And that's what Jesus is concerned about. There are a lot of people who don't desire truth, but they follow Jesus. And I would tell you, they don't know Jesus. If you are not seeking truth every day of your life, if you don't care what the truth is, you just like your story, then I'm not sure you're following Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you care about those things, you will follow Jesus all day, every day, because he is the source of those things. Just one more thing. I just want to talk about my dog. I love my dog. I know a lot of you don't like pit bulls, whatever. He's a great dog. That guy loved me more than anybody ever has or ever could, other than Jesus. That guy, I hung the moon for him. You should have seen those big brown eyes and the way they looked at me. And I know the Bible is clear that humans have the resurrection. We're not so clear about animals. You know, I, I like to believe that animals are there. And the reason that I like to believe that is they share in some things that are eternal with us. And love is eternal. Love is eternal. And Jesus is love. God is love. And I believe that anyone who taps into love also taps into that eternal God. That might be some gymnastics there. You don't have to believe like me that we're going to see dogs in heaven. I really want to believe that we will. The thing I want to focus on is there are eternal things on this side of heaven. There are. And all humans have been given eyes to see them, and that's why all humans will be condemned even if they don't know Jesus. You know, that's in Romans chapter 1 and 2. It's there. We can all sense and see eternal things here and now in this world, like love, like truth, like justice. And those things are given us not so we can ignore them and go about our petty, silly lives until we eventually die, those eternal things are offered us so that we can live daily lives soberly reflecting those things to the people around us. So if you love, if you care about truth, if you care about justice, then repent and live your lives in the light of the gospel. Let's end worship on that.